Good morning. Thank you for joining us this morning as we come together and worship God. Uh, please join me as we come together and sing, I Will Follow.
Good morning. Welcome, everyone here and everyone out there on the other side of this camera lens. And so we're glad that you're here and that we're worshiping together. I will tell you something as I, as I talk about the audience that's watching this, um, you know, in your, in your, at the campsite or uh, at your kitchen table or sitting on your sofa, wherever you might be, in your easy chair watching that. We're glad you're here. And it reminds me that the church is beyond these four walls. It also reminded me this morning as I sent out some texts to fellow pastors and, and mentioned that I had prayed for them and were, was praying for them that, that we're part of a bigger team. We're part of the kingdom of God, and that extends beyond the walls of Emmanuel Baptist Church. That extends beyond our, our camera lens and the reach that we have on Facebook and YouTube. And to know that God is at work not only here, but he's at work in other places, and he's transforming lives, and that's what we're praying for. We're praying that my life, your life, that we get closer to God, that we become more like the person that he intends us to be. And for some of you, that might be becoming a child of God. That means recognizing your sin, recognizing your brokenness, and asking and realizing that Jesus is the only answer to our brokenness. Jesus is the only answer to our, our, our problem with sin. And in that, it's that gospel of, of grace, the good news that Jesus Christ died on the cross so that we might have life, we might have, it, we might have an everlasting life and be in his presence someday. Someday that trump will blow. Remember, we live expectantly. That could happen before I finish this sentence. And that's the way that we need to live that. And I encourage you today as you sing along, as you uh, listen to the message that God has prepared, I pray that you would seek Him out and seek to drive that relationship, maybe a new relationship or to a deeper level. Let's pray. Father, thank You for this day. Father, we thank You for the ability to worship here and online. Father, we pray that as the word goes out, you would touch our hearts. Father, you would open our eyes, you would open our ears, you would open our heart and our minds, Lord, that we might understand the truths that you're trying to speak to us. And Father, we might draw closer to you. Father, we pray for those on our hearts. Lord, we have many people, Lord, that we're praying for. They're facing physical difficulties, Lord, and we pray for them. We pray for the people across our country, Lord, who are facing difficulties because of the hurricane, because of the hurricanes, because of the wildfires, Lord, we just, uh, we pray. Father, we had an audience out in California, and I don't know if they're safe or not from the fires, but we pray for them and their neighbors and other people in the West Coast, Father, as they face this, and Father, for disaster relief as they work in so many areas, Father, we pray that through that, many might come to you. Father, we pray for our Illinois Baptist family. We pray for the offering that's being taken up even today, Lord, we pray, Father, that you would bless that uh, so that we can work for the churches and the churches can make an impact in our state. In Jesus' name, amen.
Savior, he can move the mountain. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. The author of salvation, he rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. So take me as you find me, all my fears and failures. Fill my life again. I give my life to
dawn, the son of heaven rose again. Oh, trample death, where is your sting? The angels roared for Christ the King. Oh, praise the name. In rows of white, the blazing sun shall pierce the night, and I will rise among the saints, my gaze transfixed on Jesus' We're continuing on again in the book of 1 Corinthians. We're in 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter is where we're going to be. So if you've got the Bible app, you should be rolling along and you'll find that. The slides and you'll find the scripture will be in there. If you're reading out of your own Bible, you have to turn the pages and find 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. Now, I will tell you beforehand, I will preface this, I'm going to refer to things beyond what we read. That means I'm going to count on you guys to continue reading the Scripture. Not now, okay? I want your full attention here. But I want you this afternoon, maybe in between NFL football or whatever you're doing this afternoon, enjoying the beautiful day, that you continue to read that and you'll see the things that I refer to in that. And Maybe they'll make a little bit more sense if we talked about it before you get there because some of it, you know, uh, Paul is addressing people who think they're pretty smart. 
And so Paul addresses them at a pretty smart level. And he, you know, he's addressing their, their ability to reason things out and to make sense of it. And I trust that you guys are just as smart as the church of God at Corinth, and you can read that. So as we get into the 10th chapter, I want us to be reminded of the original question. Because the 8th, the 9th, and the 10th chapter have been connected. Remember, we're still connected to the first chapter and the first nine verses. And so that's what we're working through. You ever, you ever I, I will tell you this, I sat in an interview one time and I asked a question. I was part of the team that was interviewing a candidate and, and I asked a question and he answered the question and, and he went on and then when he got done talking, he looked at me and goes, does that answer your question? And I don't know that I had an answer because I forgot I'd asked a question. It took him so long to answer it. And so just, just you know, so, so understand that as Paul walks through this, Paul has continued to give an answer. But the beauty of it is you understand why Paul went the direction that he did. And I hope that you appreciate what Paul did in answering the question in the fashion that he did. Because he drove to a much deeper level in order for us to understand who we are as a church, as the church of God at Corinth, as the church of God at Emmanuel in Carlinville. He drove something deeper that we might have missed if he just point. We're, we're looking for a yes-no answer, is what they were looking for, and they didn't get a yes-no answer. But the beauty of that answer is the way that Paul did in the teachings, and we're going to go over that. So the original question was what? This is what the, the, the house of Chloe brought in the, you know, here's, this, here's our list of questions. Here's the things that are, we're having debate about at, at Corinth, at the church at Corinth. These are things that we don't know the answer to. One side says this, one side says that. And so here's our question. Can we meet sacrifice to idols in the temples? Or can we meet offered to sacrifice to idols if we bought it in the marketplace? Is that what, remember we talked about that was commonplace was to eat meat was in the temples where it was sacrificed to, or the meat that was in the, in the marketplace often, you know, if it didn't get sold here, it got sold there. And so most likely, not 100%, most likely it was somewhere along the line it was used as a sacrifice to idols because idolatry, and the worship of the Greek gods was a big thing at Corinth. Okay, it was a big thing at Corinth. So his answer thus far has been what? As we've as we walked through the eight chapters, it was a short chapter, and the answer was simply this. Does it edify? In other words, you eating meat in the temple, because you can, because idols don't exist, he acknowledges that. Matter of fact, he acknowledges that in the tenth chapter. As he walks through that, he says, I know and you know that idols don't exist. They're just wood and stone. and they, they can't answer, they can't talk, they can't do anything. They can't even stand themselves up. Well, you have to stand them up if they fall over. They can't dust themselves off. That's what they're good for is collecting dust. That's all they can do. And so he acknowledged that. But here's the thing. Paul takes them for a moment, and he takes them beyond because they're concerned about their rights. I have the right. I know it does that idol doesn't exist. So therefore, it gives me the right. How, how do you like that? It gives me the right to go ahead and eat that meat that's offered to idols, and I can eat it in the temple, etc. I can eat it in the marketplace because I know those things don't exist. 
And Paul says to them, quit thinking about yourself and think about the others around you. Does it edify? Does it build them up? Does it strengthen their relationship? Does it strengthen your witness in their eyes? And then in the, in the ninth chapter, Paul goes on to talk about his own example that he sets. And Paul says, you mentioned your rights. Well, what about my rights? I'm paraphrasing, right? What about my rights? I have the right to this. I have the right to that. I have the right to that. I have withheld myself from the full exercise of my rights for the sake of the gospel. In other words, what Paul says is, I am not front and center in how I live my life. It's you people, it's the other people around me that are playing the kingdom, the gospel. I'm going to set my rights aside for the sake of the gospel. As a matter of fact, that's exactly what Jesus did, right? Jesus is the King of Kings. For the sake of the gospel, for the sake of your eternity, for the sake of your salvation, He stepped off of His throne, stepped down from heaven, was born of a virgin, and He died on a cross. He shed His blood and He gave His body not because it was His right, but because it was for the sake of the gospel, the good news. We don't have salvation beyond Him doing that. He didn't deserve that death. He didn't earn that death. He did it because He loved us. Paul's saying, because I want to love the same way Christ loves, I set aside my rights. I'm asking you to set aside your rights so that we can take the gospel the world that needs to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. That's a beautiful answer. I love that Paul took us and he used the question as an opportunity to dive into something much deeper than can we eat meat offered to idols. And he talks about the church and its functioning. It talks about your life, talks about my life. Because I, I said earlier, and nobody's came up to me, nobody's sent me, hey, I can go eat meat offered to idols at this place in Chicago or St. Louis or something. Nobody sent me any of that. Okay? And, and so you're looking at something, you're going, okay, this is not relevant to my life. But when I look at the deeper answer that Paul offers, it is relevant to my life. Because as me-centered as the church at Corinthians, uh, Corinth was, we live in a world and a society that is just as me-centered as that society. And so what Paul speaks to, he speaks to me. He probably speaks to you too. I, I don't know that I'm this me-centered all by myself. My wife reminds me every time, it's just about you, isn't it? Well, yeah, okay. And, and so this was for me. As we move into the 10th chapter we're going to read the first 14 verses. I want you to understand that this is a continued answer. Paul continues to answer the question as we go into the 10th chapter. We're going to do a little history lesson. But understand that's not detached. That's not a non sequitur. It, it belongs in the whole. So let's pick it up in 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. We'll be reading out of New American Standard. And you can follow along on the screen or in your Bible. 
For I, do, for I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea. And all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And all ate the same spiritual food. And all drank the same spiritual drink. For they were drinking from a spiritual rock which, flowed, which followed them, and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not well pleased, for they were laid low in the wilderness. Now these things happened as examples for us, so that we would not crave evil things as they also craved. Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and stood up to play. Nor let us act immorally as some of them did, and 23,000 fell in one day. Nor let us try the Lord as some of them did, and were destroyed by the serpents. Nor grumble as some of them did, and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example. And they were written for our instruction upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. No temptation is overtaking you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Flee from idolatry. Remember, that's how this discussion started. The idea of idolatry. Can we meet, eat meat offered to idols? And so as we look at this, Paul gives us a history lesson, and he says as some of them did, okay? As some of them did. That's a repeated phrase as he lists the examples. Apparently, these were examples that were well known to them. If you read through the book of Exodus, you will see what Paul is talking about. Exodus and Numbers, and you'll see, and it's in, De in Deuteronomy would include the recap of these things. But those things happened to people. Those are actual events that Paul is referring to. Here's how he describes it. We've opened that up. He says, baptized, and they walk through the same water in a cloud, etc. Paul is referring to the Exodus experience. Paul's referring to the time when Moses went down there, the plagues, the death of the firstborn, the whole reference to the propitiation thing that's not lost in there. God freed them. God led them to a place where the Egyptians followed, the sea was parted, they walked across on dry land, and as they journeyed through the wilderness, they were led by a cloud in the day, a cloud of fire, and a cloud of fire at night. So they, God was leading these people. All of the people who walked out of Egypt, all of those Israelites, they fled out. They came out with riches that were not their own. Those people saw God at work. Isn't that amazing? When we read that experience, what a mighty thing. You wonder, what was that cloud like? What was, it, what was it like to walk through on dry land with water to one side of you? 
a wall of water on both sides of you, held back by God. You know that it doesn't, you, you haven't got out much. As a slave in Egypt, you haven't traveled, right? But you know this is not how it's supposed to happen, but yet you're walking through on dry land. You get to the other side, and those guys are chasing you to say, if, we, if you can do it, we can do it, and they get down in there, and God consumes them with the water. Powerful stuff. Powerful stuff to see what God has done. They wake up, and there's manna on the ground. They don't have to look for a McDonald's or a Hardee's. It's there. I mean, breakfast is served. Put it in a jar, save it for the next day on, on the Sabbath day. God did amazing things. Moses coming down with his face shining. But yet these people, they had the same start, but they didn't all finish well. As a matter of fact, when we enter into the promised land, the only two that are left from that generation that walked through the wall of water are Joshua and Caleb. Because these people didn't believe God could deliver them at Kadesh Barnea. As they entered into the land, they said, no, there's too many giants. So God caused them to wander around until they all passed away. And except for Joshua and Caleb, who'd went in with the same other, the other ten spies, and they said, God's got this. If God can hold back water, God can take down a giant. Just think about it. Why in the world would you be scared of a giant when God could hold water back? But they walked. So they didn't have the same finish. It says along there that they became idolaters and they were destroyed. The idolaters and they were destroyed. I think all of you probably took history class somewhere along the line, right? You had to learn all kinds of things about world history, about United States history, etc. You learned about history. In, in Sunday school, we learned about history. We learn about people like Moses. We learn about people like Joshua. We learn about people like David and and Daniel and so forth. In history class, I learned history because I needed to pass the test. Because it's a funny thing. Even though you don't like the class and you don't do well in it, they make you take it again. It's kind of like my mom setting out liver and onions. Again, I didn't like it the first time. It's not any better the second time. But in school, they make you pass the class. Unless the teacher gets tired and moves you along. That doesn't happen. When Paul gives us a history lesson, you understand what he's doing? He's not giving you a history lesson so you can pass a test. He's giving you a history lesson because it matters to your life today. That, I, I love that. If I would have got that in history class, I might have paid more attention. Because history, in this case specifically, has a bearing upon how you live your life. You asked, can I eat meat offered idols? I want you to pay attention to what happened when people dealt in idolatry. The history lesson goes on when you read through the Old Testament. When you read through the nation that was divided into the northern and the southern kingdom, and you read how the northern kingdom did not have any good kings, and they set up idols and they participated in idol worship, and God used the Assyrians, who were much more evil, and he used the Chaldeans again to carry away the kingdoms. The northern kingdom was carried away by the Assyrians, and the southern kingdom by the Babylonians because of their idolatry. Idolatry kills. Idolatry kills your relationship with God. 
And that's the history lesson. They were destroyed because they participated in idolatry. It's a history lesson that you need to pay attention to. And Paul says, take heed. Take heed to that. It is, see what they did and see what happened. See what they did and see what happens. It's a caution. You think you can handle it. They had that knowledge. I mean, Paul just took a jab at their knowledge and their pride. Remember, they're all puffed up because they know and they're, spiritual, they're spiritually superior to those who are afraid to eat meat offered to idols. I mean, they know that, 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 that that's that superiority that they've got going on. And Paul just, as he said, take heed, lest he who thinks he stands falls, right? When he uses that word thinks, he's took a shot at the pride and their knowledge. And I will say this. When you look through the Old Testament, none of those groups started out in idolatry simply to walk away from God. They added it to what they were doing. They didn't think idolatry was going to cause them a problem. Solomon, who married foreign wives, he thought that was an advantage. It made for peace with the neighboring neighbors, nations, because certainly they wouldn't attack where their daughter lived, right? That's the kind of thinking he had. But it caused him a problem because it brought idolatry into Israel. So Paul's saying to this group of people, take heed. You may think that you're going to stand. You may think that you're smarter than the guys before. But I'm going to tell you, they thought they were smarter than the generation before them. And that generation thought they were smarter than the generation before them. And it just plays out. Every generation walks up and whoever touches and crosses that line of idolatry, it bites them every time. It bites them every time. And that's what Paul is saying, that it bites you every time. Every generation has thought the same thing you have thought. And every generation before you has been taken by the idolatry. You are playing with fire. Remember that term? Playing with fire. It is dangerous. When you, when you play with matches, something bad is going to happen. Something bad is going to happen. So what does Paul say? I mean, this is that warning to them. This is that warning to them. Here's a history lesson. You ask the question, and, and I love this. Do you realize Paul could have went straight to this answer, but Paul didn't? Because this pretty much answers the question. And, and he's going to talk about that in a little bit. As you read through the remainder of the 15th verse and following in a chapter, he's going to tell them pretty much that when you partake of the offering, he uses the Lord's Supper. When we take of the cup and the bread, we partake in the sacrifice that Jesus made. In the same way, when you partake of the sacrificial meat in the temple, you're taking part in that. Even though the idols don't exist, the demons who led the people to idolatry do exist. It's a no 
answer to the question. He says, go to the marketplace, buy the meat, don't ask questions. Buy the meat. We realize that it's offered to nothing, but do not go to the temple. And here is, love this passage, the 13th verse of the 10th chapter. You should have that framed on your wall someplace, probably on your eyelids. Okay, it would be a good place to put it. We, I had to memorize this verse, and I probably memorized it in King James and read it in enough versions that I'd mess it up if I say it. But there is no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will, He provides a way of escape, right? I just messed that up. But okay, the idea is this. When you're talking about this idolatry, you ask the question, and Paul gives you the warning. He tells you that God has provided you a way of escape. You are not trapped. Flip the slides there. Okay? You are not trapped. Have you ever said when you've done something and you've made up an excuse of why there was no possible way that you could get out of the mess that you were in? Go ahead, raise your hand. On, on the camera, no, I'm not asking anybody here because other people can see them. But if you're sitting at home alone, you can raise your hand, okay? If, if you're maybe in the other room and somebody else is watching, you can raise your hand. If you're watching this a couple of days later by yourself, you can raise your hand. Everybody's hand here would be raised because we've all done that. We've, oh, I, I, there was no way I could get out of it. I mean, really, there was no way I could get out of this, and I was trapped in it, and, 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 and I went ahead and did it because I was trapped. Paul says that when temptation comes your way, to do the wrong thing, that there's always an out. There's always an exit. Daniel and I came back through the Smoky Mountains there at Chattanooga. You know, be between Chattanooga and Mount Eagle, there's that long hill, and there's those runoffs where the trucks go into there. As a matter of fact, I was going down, as I was going down there, I paid attention. There was a sign that said, one, two, three, and four were empty. In other words, they're waiting for somebody to run into. And apparently they tell you if there's somebody in it because you can't use it if somebody else is already using it. It's like a restroom, okay? You can't use it when somebody else is using it. And, and so it tells you that. And, and what that is, understand what that is? It is a way of escape when things are not going the way that they should be for the truck driver. If you don't take the way of escape, it's going to cost you your life and maybe somebody else's. Paul's saying to these people at Corinth, the church of God at Corinth, you want to know the answer? The answer is, look for the runoff. God has a place for you to abandon this course. Get into a place, dive into the rock, bring it to a halt, and God will come along with His tow truck, and God will take you out of the mess but that mess is not near as good, near as bad as if you had continued on the path. There would be a marker on the, grave, on the side to mark your grave. And that's what Paul's saying here. Paul's saying, when you have that opportunity, run. And he's saying to them that idolatry, you know it's not an idol. And you're, you're sitting there flirting with it. But what happens with every generation that flirts with idolatry? They end up a slave to idolatry. They end up breaking the front half of the Ten Commandments. To love God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength is summed up in the Great Commandment. When you get another lover, and that's what an idol is, 
You've offended God. You've stepped over the line. You've sinned against God. That's what happens. You flirt with it, and pretty soon it's derailed you. And that's what Paul is saying to them. Friends, we don't have the idol temples, but we live in a world where there is idolatry. We live in a world where we put our trust in something else other than God. If you've been watching the videos when I did Proverbs 3.5, I quoted Proverbs 3.5 like this. You know it from heart, so say it with me. Trust in yourself, and when that doesn't work, then you go look and see what God has to offer. That's what it says, isn't it? No, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not again on your own understanding. Do not rely on your own understanding. But we live life on the fringes of idolatry. Whether it's our own smarts, our own intellect, our own education, our own abilities, or the abilities of something else. We flirt with idolatry and we begin to only come to God when we can't figure out some other way. I'm telling you, we're in the same place that they are at. We need to flee from idolatry. I love this. If you want, we've had the Dave Ramsey courses. Last couple years, three or four of those courses, we've ran through people. And when we play, there's one of the videos, as a matter of fact, when we played the teaser video or the trailer video that would get you to sign up in it, and he's telling you to run from debt which is not near as bad as idolatry, but it is, okay, because money becomes an idol to us. He says, run like a gazelle. I'm not going to do the Dave Ramsey thing because he hops across the stage all the way across and back and forth, and I'd wear myself out. But you get the idea. It is that flee like a gazelle from this idolatry. (coughs) Run from it. He's talked about the question. Can I meet off an idol? He's talked about does it edify? He's talked about his own example. And then he drives it home about fleeing for idolatry because it it could ruin you. And if you're not careful, you'll have taken this 10th chapter And you'll be all consumed about yourself and your own welfare and your own life, okay? He ends the chapter so that they may be saved. Do you understand you're fleeing from idolatry? Your escape from the temptation isn't about you? Not all about you. We live our we live our life about me. We live our Christian life about me. If Paul answers this question straight out of the gate with the history lesson, you're still focused on me. When Paul takes this, when you take that way of escape, when you flee from the temptation, not only are you doing it for you, you're doing it for the others that you're trying to share the gospel with. And Paul has been all about 
the witness of the church, whether it was the guy with the son with his father's wife, the two people in court, or now this I question about meat offered idols. We are, we are God's instrument. We are a lamp to the world. And Paul by no means, once that light switched off, dimmed or hidden. So when you think about the temptations that you face in your life, it's not just about you. It's about the people around you. And we need to be aware of that because we are a body of believers. God has called us to be the church of God here in Carlinville. Not just here, but we have a witness to the world outside of these doors. And we need to do everything that when we see the temptation coming, we escape, not just for ourselves, but for the others, countless others, who do not know Jesus as the Lord and Savior. If you would, let's bow in prayer. Father, we thank You for Your Word. Father, we, we pray, Lord, that we would see um, the runaway ramps in our life. And Father, when we are uh, flirting and and in our pride, we think that it won't touch us or scathe us, Father, that we would flee from those things which hinder our witness, Father, those things which um, tarnish our image, Father. We need to be people that are expectant that that trumpet could blow any, any second now. And Father, we have to be aware that there are people around us who are not ready for the trumpet to blow. Father, help us to witness to them of Your love. Help us to witness to them, Father, we were once in their shoes. We lived in sin. We lived in brokenness. We didn't have an answer. We struggled to get out of it. Father, we, we found You. We found that You were the only answer. And Father, help us to, to relay that to them that they might put their trust in You and accept You as their Lord and Savior. Father, for us as we try to mature as Christians, Father, help us to mature so that we think beyond our, our body, we think beyond ourselves, and we think about others and how we impact. We think about how that you might use us. In Jesus' name, amen. Precious Lord, take my hand, lead me on, help me stand. I am tired, I am weak, I am worn. Through the storm, through the night, lead me on to the light. Take my hand, precious Lord, lead me home. When my way grows Precious Lord, linger near when my life is almost gone. Hear my cry, hear my call, hold my hand lest I fall. Take my hand, precious Lord, lead me home. us today 
I didn't mention this earlier, but if you're following along the Bible, if you scroll down a little bit further, you'll find a link. And on that link, you can go to the, uh, our page, our, our website, the page where we, excuse me, <coughs> where we have the giving link. And at that giving link, you can now donate to the Illinois Mission Offering, a Mission Illinois Offering. We encourage you to do so. I also encourage you to follow along. We can read down there. We're going to be reading through Acts 3 through 4, the book of Habakkuk, Psalm 37 and 38, and Proverbs 6. It, it's beautiful to see what happens as we read through God's Word. He's given it to us. Let's use it uh, as we strengthen our relationship with Him. Thank you.